in this episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. These pizzerias, they do too much. They'll take like a, a, a bunch of garlic and they'll throw the garlic in there. And then they'll take a bunch of olive oil and they'll throw the olive oil in there. And those two things are combating the, the magic that's going on in this pot. So for me, a perfect pizza, the sauce, that's your that's your winner. I like a sauce that you don't really you don't really mess with too much. You get the San Marzano tomatoes. They say DUP on them. It means they're legit. Product of Italy. And you grind them up a little bit. You get out all the seeds. And it's really just like a tomato puree. I like it. I like to taste the tomato. I like a nice fluffy crust. And and a, a hack. You get what they call buffalo mozzarella. Now you just little little dots. You following? I'm doing. I'm following. Yeah. When the heat hits them. They kind of seep in into the crust. So now you're getting a moist bite. And then when you take it off, Parmigiano Reggiano. Parmigiano Reggiano. <laughs> you take the Reggiano and you throw it on the pizza. It kind of melts on top of the pizza. Just grated Reggiano. To me, that's when you get a good pizza, Nick. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition. Every week, we bring you insightful stories, knowledge, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential in life, fitness, and business. If you enjoy the message we're promoting in this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that embody the Go One More mindset. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have special guest today, Nikki Cass. Welcome. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, for mo- first off, I'm very excited to be here, but the the whole Nikki pause at the end is because I told Nick I can't stand when like the people in my quote unquote circle call me Nikki because like everyone I know calls me Nick. Um, and you know, Nick's an ass. So what he does is every time he sees me, he calls me Nikki. But uh, I'm I'm stoked to be here. It's gonna be good. Well, part of that is I don't have anyone else in my life with the name of Nick, so it feels weird calling someone right. by your same name. And I started calling you Nikki in the beginning, and it's just stuck. Yeah. No, I know. I'm good. And I never knew you were offended until you were over for dinner the one day, and I called you <laughs> Nikki, and you got upset. Well, it's not like I'm a, I don't, I'm not offended. It's just like everyone like who sees me on the street calls me that. So it's like a distinction between like, here's like someone who actually knows me and someone who's just a fan of me. You know what I mean? So like if you're, if you had like a quote unquote stage name, I would call you your actual name because we're friends. You know what I mean? Like when people call me Nikki, it's like, oh, the next thing that comes after that is, do you want a picture or can I get a picture? Can you do like an impression? So that's all it is. It's not like I'm offended. I'll, I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, just keep it in mind. All right, we're going to kick off this episode with uh, a quick hit round. Okay. All right. So there's <laughs> there's three things, either questions or things that you have to do. And it's just to break the ice, just to get us started. Okay. All right, so the first one. Wait, hold on. What do you mean by things I have to do? Well, I'll explain. Okay, I'll explain. sorry about that. Number one, speaking in an Australian accent. Tell me why you love BPN Strong Greens. I mean, that's that's a low blow. <laughs> I don't even know what the Australians sound like. What I really love about the BPN Strong Greens, don't make me laugh. What I really like about these Strong Greens is the flavor of them. 
are just magnificent. Oftentimes, you know, you see these these people making these greens products and the taste is just absolutely terrible. But the bad performance ones, I mean, it's turning into like Jason Statham. This is good. You keep talking, I'll fucking kill you. The BPN strong greens, the flavor is unbelievable. And I take them every morning and my poop just goes from me stomach to me bunghole and it just comes right out every day. I mean, now, I mean, come on. That's Oscar. <laughs> That's you. Oscar worthy. It turned into like a Jason Statham. All right. Number two. <laughs> Describe our friendship in three words. From my point of view or like from. From your point of view. Yeah. Okay. Like three, di- like three different words that don't have to be like a sentence. Correct. Okay. From my point of view. Uplifting. I want to make sure these are good. Uplifting, respectful, disrespectful. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty good. That's very good. That's, that's spot on. Because like, I had like, obviously like, and we get into this when we start talking, but like, there is this level of like respect, but at the same time, when it's not about like real life things, it's like, I mean, like you just shit on each yeah, other. Just, yeah. Just back and forth. All right. Here's the last one. Okay. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be? Excluding BPN strong greens. Well, don't need to answer this one in an Australian accent. Um, like, like, like you can't say money. That's a bad answer. I mean, it could if no, but like if you're a greedy shallow motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I also feel like if, like, if I had unlimited money, like. That just prohibits you from like wanting to do more. I feel like that's like money is a motivation for for some people. So I I would say if I could have unlimited of one thing, gas, gasoline for my for my Jeep. I'm filling this fucking thing up three times a week. And up by me, the gas prices are outrageous. So if I could just have an unlimited supply of gasoline, I would be, I mean, I'd be chilling. That's great. It sounds like you need a Tesla. No, 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 no. Because no, I, I thought about the Tesla and the thing about the Tesla is like, I just don't think it's that cool. Like I, I have no desire to get, because like I had a Volvo for a little bit and it was like a computer and I could not stand it because it like, if you veer off in a, in a lane, you know, like by accident, the steering wheel will steer you back into the lane. Course corrects. Yeah. And yep. then you'll be backing out of a spot. And it'll think that you're about to hit something and the car will stop for you. And it's scared the ever living shit out of me every time it would happen. It's too much of a computer. That's why I like the Jeep. Cause it's just like, just a vehicle. You know what I mean? I'd agree with you. I just don't like the Tesla. I'm not, I'm not the, the biggest fan either. Yeah. Something about just having some, some gasoline. Right. Running through your engine. Is right. Really. That's exactly gets what my I'm rocks saying. off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So diving into this episode. Yeah, let's go. When I first came across your content mm-hmm. is because I started seeing it pop up on Barstool. Right. And from my understanding, you, you were trying to communicate with me yeah. during this whole oh, yeah. Barstool oh, yeah. event in your life. Yeah. Before we dive into that, yeah. what is the reason and what is the story behind you starting to create content and putting yourself out there? So- I was, I've always been the 
like the one to make people laugh. Like ever since I can remember, I mean, I have stories from my relatives when I'm like two years old, like making fun of people in Macy's. Like there was this one time where there was this dude with a big belly walking around Macy's and I turned to my aunt and I said, Aunt Kim, look. And I would like imitate the the guy, whatever. And, you know, as growing up, like I played baseball. Um, baseball was the first thing I ever loved. But like with that, I was always like the class clown of of like the the team, like on the bus rides and make people laugh. Like every instance, like even meeting new people, like when when I would meet you for the first time, my goal was to make you laugh. I I say it time and time again, I've never met anyone who I can't make laugh. It's just something that I'm naturally good at and something that I find joy in doing. Um, and like throughout that, I was always, like I always loved going on YouTube and watching like skits and stuff like that. Like for as long as I can remember and and I would recreate like my own sort of skits. Like I remember, you, ever, you know what the flip, you ever see the flip cam? You remember the flip cam? Like the actual flip, the flip cam? cam? Yeah. Yes, like, I, grew, I grew up, I was born in the 90s. Yeah, the old, the old flip cam. I had one of those and I would make videos with me Sometimes just me, sometimes my friends would go on iMovie and I'd like edit them up. Um, it was just something I enjoyed doing. And it's just always been a part of me. Like even like when you have uh, projects for school and they would do like, you could rather write an essay, you could do a PowerPoint or you could do a video. I'd be like, let's go like, I'm gonna make a video about this. And I'd love to present it to the class. So it's always been a part of me. Um, and to make a long story short, when I was, so I had uh, stopped playing baseball I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was working in a gym. I was training like 10 clients at the time, some online, some in person at the gym. And I was working at the desk uh, of the athlete gym and TikTok had just been coming up. Like TikTok was like this whole big thing. And this was like right before the pandemic happened. Um, and I would still like make videos on my Snapchat and like post them on my Snapchat just for my boys and stuff like that. And my buddies were like, you like, get on the app, dude. Like, like, please just like make a couple of videos. I'm like, nah, I don't want to be a part of that. Cause there was this persona around TikTok. It was like Charlie D'Amelio doing all this stuff. And I'm like, nah, I ain't going to do it. So one night, I don't remember what day it was, but it was 7.52 PM. The gym closes at eight. I'll never forget. You don't remember the day, but you remember the time. I remember time. the time. Cause, cause they had like one of those road clocks up at the top. Yeah. And I usually got ready to go around that time. So it's 7.52. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to download the app. I downloaded TikTok and they had this long face filter on the app. And like, to me, it always reminded me of like a Guido, like old school Italian dad or whatever. I'm like, I'm just going to make a video and see what happens. And the video took me probably three minutes. It was like non-Italian versus Italian dads when um, you say you're going out. And it's like the American dad's like, oh, see you later, buddy. And the Italian dad's like, fuck you mean you going out? It's 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. Where the fuck you going? Like something like that. I posted it. I put it in my pocket. The next day I wake up, it's got 2 million views. And I'm like, like I don't know what to do. Like, I, it's, it's like, holy, like people are seeing this thing. So I, whatever, the pandemic hits. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I enjoy making them. I find them funny. And just for that sole reason, I'm going to keep making these videos. I'm going to do one video per day. And I was in a conversation with one of my buddies. They were getting a little bit of traction here and there. Um, he's like, listen, man, your stuff is funny, but it's not relatable to a bunch of audiences, like a, a broader audience. Because I was doing more like old school stuff, like growing up with a like, no, 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 like stuff like that. And he said, you need to do something more with that, like Italian dad character. I'm like, all right, like, what if we do like a little league game? Like dad's at a little league match. 
And he's like, perfect. So I made the video the next day and I sent it to Barstool and I wrote, you guys should post this. I think it'll do great. Like I was very, I don't know what drew me to do that. It's just like something that sort of happened. Um, and I sent it to all these pages and like two hours later, I got a like DM back from Barstool saying, we're going to post this submitted here. And I'm like, my life's about to change. I don't know what to feel. I don't know if you've ever felt this before. Like when BPN started doing well, more people were getting eyes on. I'm like, I know my life's about to change, but I don't know what that means. So I'm like itching for them to post. I don't know when they're going to post it. I'm in the shower. It's around 8.50 PM. I'm listening to country music on my phone. And all of a sudden the music goes silent and it just like notification after notification after notification. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like I forgot about the whole Barstool thing and they had posted it and I'm like, holy shit. Like it was the coolest but scariest feeling because like it's out there. Like there's no going back now. Um, and they're either going to love you or they're going to hate right. you. And, and it's out there and there's nothing you could do about it. Um, and they just kept posting the stuff. And I remember like to circle back, like trying to get in touch with you. The first thought in my head was, oh, this is great. Like I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to get in contact with like Nick and like BPN. Um, so that's pretty much how it started. It was just like, I was always the one to be creative like amongst my friend group and I love making the videos and I just blindly started posting stuff and put myself out there with no fear and no real goal, so to speak, other than the fact that it was the quarantine. I had nothing to do and I just enjoyed making them. And I didn't realize what that was going to be at all. That's interesting in regards to the whole creating aspect of it. Yeah. Like when I was younger, I, I loved creating too, yeah. but there was never really a clear intent behind um, creating, there was not like a goal. Right. So like when I was in high school, me and my buddies, we would just do, we'd do stupid stuff. We'd do yeah. anything. We, we, we had this one old school video camera and we would just think of an idea, a concept. And then we'd, we'd kind of write down scenes and we'd go film for a whole day. Right. And I'd edit, you yeah. know, on my computer at night. Yep. And no one ever saw it, but us really. Right. But we loved doing this. We got so much out of it. Love. And then one time I did post one video, it was this, it was called extreme scootering. And we tied this, this scooter to the back of my Honda Civic. Okay. And then we drove 40 to 50 miles per hour. Oh my God. To see, what are you doing? To see if we could hold on to the scooter. Everyone fell off and everyone got banged up and cut up. Stupidest thing. Right. But it got like 80,000 views on YouTube and we were like, we are famous. Yeah. Oh yeah. That feeling is weird. Like that first initial feeling is like very weird. But the, the reason like the purpose behind that story is I think sometimes if you have a passion behind anything in creating in the sense you do it, even if you're not getting paid for it, right. even if you're not getting anything from it in terms of recognition or popularity or, or quote unquote like followers. Right. Oh, yeah but you get so much in return. Like the, the return is this feeling of oh, yeah. creating with people you enjoy being around. Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of people think that like in order to get from point A to point B, social media is this catalyst and they then start creating for that and it's forced right. and there's no actual passion behind it. None. You got to start with some sort of passion to create because once you start in this space, you, you don't turn it off for no, years and years and years. You cannot. You you legitimately have to keep putting logs in the fire. And like, 
I never was in it for like, I'm going to turn this into a business. It was always out of the pure enjoyment of the fact that I love to create. Like that's my favorite thing to do besides make people laugh and work out. Um, and if you're in it, I would say like, if your goal is to do it, to make money, you need to find another source of why you're going to do it. Because if you do it for that, then you don't love the process. And I don't think, I think you give up real easy when things don't go your way. So like for me, if I were to post a video on TikTok and it didn't, didn't do well, I, okay, it didn't do well. I'm going to make another one. Want to know why? Because I love to make the videos. I don't care. Like I genuinely laugh at every video I've ever put. I think I'm hysterical. Like I got to, like not even in a cocky way. Like I watch my videos and think I'm funny. You laugh at your own stuff. I, I on the floor laugh <laughs> at my own stuff. I mean, like whenever I'm bored, sometimes I'll scroll through my own videos and not again, not in like, look at me way. Like I just think they're funny. Like I think they're actually funny. Um, so I, yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of like the reason for doing, like the reason for creating. So you lean into, into growing up in an Italian family. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And obviously that, that is very relatable. Oh yeah. People find it funny. At one point in your life, did you realize that growing up in an Italian family had these quirks and these parts of humor? Oh. As opposed to just like. I mean, you know, it, it's, there's something to be said. And I, and, and every, every culture like is very, has a lot of pride about their culture, but there's something to be said about growing up in an Italian household by old school parents, because like, and, and I'm sure people can relate to this who, who grew up in that sort of household. Um, well, to answer your question, I, I noticed it from the very beginning, like very, I, like what I'm pretty good at, I've found um, throughout this process is I could pick up on things and sort of like point out a quirk kind of in my, like kind of like, like you'll see impressionists talk about like when they impersonate um, like famous people, they'll pick up on like facial expressions and stuff like that. So like in terms of overall quirks, like what, my parents are doing versus like what other parents are doing. Like, okay, that's very distinct. No other parent is telling you, you know, at, at 18 years old to be home by 10 30. Cause you got to go to school the next day. So, um, it's definitely tough, but like the, the, the tough, like the, the tough nature of growing up in that household does two things for somebody like me who, who picks up on those quirks and likes to be creative. One, it teaches you, um, that there are consequences for your actions and that there are rules. When you live in my house, you live under my rules and you ought to respect my rules. But two, to turn all those, oh, like, damn it. Like, why, why, why do I have to be home at this time? Why do I have to, I couldn't even cross the street when I was in middle school without calling my mom to tell her I'm crossing the street. That's how strict it was. But it takes all those frustrating moments and it turns it in to something funny and something that you could look at and laugh about. It's not pain, but it's like you could flip the script on like a frustrating moment now that you're out of it. Like when I was growing up, my parents weren't my friend. My parents were my parents. But now my mom and my dad are my best friends because you learn there's reasons for what they did. And now that I'm out of it, it's, it's a fuel for 
the content. Like, I got content. Like, people ask, like, are you ever worried about your next video? I'm like, no, because something will happen tomorrow where I'm like, this is brilliant. Like, perfect. I'm going to make a video. So. I'd say I saw this. Uh, you posted this video a few days ago where you drove your Jeep on your dad's Oh, yeah, that lawn, really happened. And, and your dad made you patch up the oh, lawn. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's nothing. That is nothing. My dad, so the, the, that, first of all, that's my fault. And, and you know what it is too? It's in the moment, like you think to yourself, like, like, why is he making me do this? But after it's all said and done, he's right. Like he's always right. He's never been wrong. My dad used to make me write down like a hundred times. I will not X, Y, and Z to mom and dad. I will not. uh, And like, that's, I mean, that he had me like painting the fence as a punishment at like eight years old. Like I was painting this fence and I didn't know how to paint the fence. I'm eight. And like, he'd go to work and like the, the, all the consequences had something to do with like, if you, if you broke it, you're going to fix it. So I drove my Jeep onto the, onto the lawn and I didn't know that it was moist. The grass was moist. So I pulled into the lawn and the Jeep kind of sank into the, into the grass. And I said, like, this is, this is going to be a problem. You knew right away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my dad was downstairs working, and he comes, he comes up the steps. And, like, you could just, all, all you could hear is, oh, you fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I, like, I'm trained. Like, I know. And he's like, okay. He, he goes, get your ass outside with the rake and start raking. And so I'm raking, right? And this is the part I didn't include in the video. And he rolls down the window. No, do it with your bare hands. It might be better. So I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking my bare hands, okay? And I'm I'm unflapping the grass. And I'm pressing down the the mud. I'm pressing all this stuff down. And he goes, Good. Now do it on the other side. And I'm like, you know what? It's really and then so then like you're walking, don't get any of that mud or dirt on my on my foot. Like, what do you want me to do, Dad? But again, you know, he's right. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Um Yeah, what, no, that's all real. When did the relationship change from your dad being your parent to now allowing you to be a friend. Yeah. So I think it changed around like the college, like college because like there, there was this like level of respect that was, that was gained, like not from, not me, I always respected my father, but I think my dad understood, you know, like I did, I did a good job. Like my, I, I, in high school, I was always, uh, I always did the right thing. I always made sure I did the right thing um, with my work ethic, with with the, how I treated people, X, Y, and Z. So, I, so through action, I kind of proved that you have nothing to worry about, Pops. Like, I'm, I'm good. You did a great job. You and Mom did a great job. Um, and I think once that switch was flipped and, and, and there was enough action to back the fact that, like, I'm not – like I never sought to disrespect my parents. Like I, I, it was never like an idea in my head to be like, oh, I'm going to do this because they said, don't do this. Like that never crossed my mind. So I think once my dad understood that, um, it was, it was like, okay, like I did a good job. Like now we're, I mean, my dad is my best friend and I don't think that that would have happened if it wasn't for my upbringing. Like, I'm happy that he was not my best friend growing up because it's 
big majority of the reason I am who I am today. You know, our, our baby girl's due in July. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of thinking recently yeah. about raising children and oh, yeah. the, the parent that I want to be. Right. And sometimes when we go out to dinner now or around, around town, I'm more observant now than I was prior to knowing Steph was pregnant. Right. Of just like parents and kids and, you know, how they're, they're acting. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed is that, and this goes back to the way your, your parents raised you. Yeah. My parents raised me is there's like this level of respect that needs to be taught to children. And part of me has identified Maybe it's just in this small cohort of the, of that I'm surrounded by. Right. But I've realized that these standard levels of respect aren't being taught. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Right. Holding the door. Right. Just like being polite. Absolutely. It is almost becoming non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. So it, it's very refreshing when you see it in, oh, in yeah. person. When you see a little it's kid It's like say, finding a diamond in a pile of sand. It's like- it still exists. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like nowadays it's more, how can I be cool? And like, how, like, how can I get my kids to like me? And I'm, I cannot really share much because I'm not a parent myself, but you know, I, I would much rather take the route that I had. And like there's, there was so many times, countless times where I would feel embarrassed because I had to be home at 11 o'clock. I had, and, and when I say 11 o'clock, if you rolled in at 11.01, you're done. Now you're done. You're not, what, what you're the, not going out. What was the punishment? Okay. So one time I rolled in, I was supposed to be home at 11.30 this time. Got an extra half hour, right? I roll in at 11.31, 11.32, like flirting between the lines. My dad is at the top of the steps when I get in. Okay. He took away the car. He said, figure out a way to get to school tomorrow. Okay. You just take it right on the chin. All right. Sounds good. I guess I got to figure out a way to get, to get to school tomorrow. And you know what, Nick, like now in real life, I'll, when, when situations come up where there's consequences for your actions, I revert back to those situations I'm like, all right, I'll just find a ride to school. Something doesn't go my way. Oh, I'll, I'll just figure it out because I've done it in the past. I don't feel sorry for what I did. I, I don't think life's unfair because something didn't work out my way. I made the mistake. I should have listened. There's consequences for your actions. Figure it out. And that discipline that my parents gave me has fueled my decisions and my rebounds from when things don't go my way. So... I think that level of respect and, and, and the consequences for your actions that I was brought up in are huge. And I, I, I agree with you when you find kids, it's kind of like a dog. Like you ever see a dog owner that, that got like, that don't train a dog and, and like you're at a barbecue and, and, the, and the golden retriever comes over and start <laughs> like on your plate and then he'll like shit everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, like it's the dog, it's the dog trainer. It's the dog trainer. You know what I mean? I'm obviously we're not dogs, but like 
if the dog's got respect with you, he's going to, hey, sit. Okay, I'll sit. That doesn't mean you're a dictator, but like, I just feel like there needs to be more discipline. That's all. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. So, so your your grandma, Nona. Yeah. Does she live with you? She does. She, she lives downstairs. She's lived downstairs my whole life. Is that your dad's mom? It's my mom's mom. Mom's mom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are your your dad's parents still alive? My dad's mother is still alive. She does not live with us. But both of my, and probably a lot of people don't know this because I have like the no-no character. Um, I never met both of my grandfathers. Um, so just my, I got two grandmas and Nona lives downstairs. She has my whole life. Were your grandfathers pretty hard asses? Um, honestly, I've no, I never met them. So I don't, I don't know. And on my dad's side, his father passed when he was very young. So not much um, memory there, recollection there. But uh, nah, man, I mean, on my mom's side, from what I've heard, like Nona was the tough one. I mean, they were both tough. But like Nona, you know, like she used to have the Dr. Scholl's shoes and she would throw them. Like my mom would say the second she would lift her leg like this, <laughs> <laughs> like my mom was like, oh, oh shit. And like she would be snappy with them. She'd like take them and like <laughs> chuck them. There's this one time where my mom has a sister. They were fighting over this ukulele, like this mini guitar, right? And they were like going back and forth. My grandmother, Nona, goes over. She goes, okay, that's it. She took the ukulele broke it over her knee. You play with that one and you play with that one and no say nothing. And that's it. Like just, she, so go ahead. I'm just going to get into it now that you open up the door. Is, is Nona the Italian word for grandmother? Yes. That's what that is? Yeah. And then no, no is grandfather and noni is grandparents. Mm. Does she do a lot of cooking at the house for you guys? Yeah. I, I mean, she, so she, She's slowing down a little bit as she's getting older. Um, it's just breaking my heart because, you know, she's just not making enough quantity anymore. Like when she makes chicken thighs, she made chicken thighs for, for five of us. She made six chicken thighs and probably a cup of potatoes for everybody. Like, no, no, this, you know, this ain't cutting it. She, she calls me downstairs and Nicholas, can you please beat the hags for me? I can't beat the hags no more. Like she's slowing down a little bit. But when we were growing up, I mean, how it usually worked was she had a huge helping hand in uh, raising me, my sister, and my three cousins. Um, my parents would work uh, till five thirty, six o'clock, and Nona would have us throughout the whole day during the summer and after after school. Um, and she was tough, man. Like she she didn't take no shit. She uh, she would threaten to call the cops on me three times a week for what kind of stuff? Like jumping on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Like stuff like that. And like, she, like, she would just say, you know, stop. I'm going to call it the police on you. And like, I'm a kid, so I don't fucking know. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. She would, the wooden spoon thing is real. Like I'd get hit with the wooden spoon. Um, not hard, just like a little like tap on the ass. But she would say shit like this to me at like eight or nine years old. Nicolas, can you not stop to do this? I'm going to love you no more. As a kid, what the fuck are you supposed to think of that sentence? Oh, my God. I'd, I'd cry for hours. Like, my mom would come home. She's like, what's the matter? Nona doesn't love me anymore. Like, stuff like that. But you know what? She, I mean, she drove at, at she was 65 to 70 years old. When we were growing up, she would drive us to the park. She would make us food. Um, I mean, I was the chubbiest kid on earth, eighth and ninth grade. I mean, 
I was going to ask that question. How, in a household like that, how do you, you stay thin? No, you don't. You don't. I, I broke her heart the day I was like, all right, no, no, I got to lose some weight. I was 185 pounds, five foot three, uh, eighth and ninth grade. What were you eating? I mean, just a snack when I would come home would be like a full thing of bread with mozzarella, olive oil, and like leftover pasta from the night before and like 10 or 11 chicken cutlets. No bullshit. 10 or 11. Chicken, chicken cutlets, cutlets is a big thing, isn't oh it? Oh my God, they're so good. What, when I, you come visit, you got to have some because they are. What's the difference between a chicken cutlet and chicken parm? So a chicken, a chicken cutlet is the the base of chicken parm. So like chicken uh, chicken parm is basically like a pizza chicken cutlet. So like you get the chicken cutlet, you put the the sauce and what's it out and a little bit of sauce on top. The chicken cutlet's just a piece of chicken. And like when you get a you when you get one of one of the Italians that do it right, they're a di- I don't know how to describe it. It's like you win like dates like. When you like, can't Love me stop some dates. Be, yeah. When you can't stop being the dates, it's the same thing with the chicken cutlet. I'll tell you what, I uh, I was envied people who grew up in like Italian households. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had some, fr- you know, being in Central Pennsylvania, we had a lot of Italian families up there. Did you? Re- I didn't realize that. Yeah, we had some some good Italian food. Like, there's not much down here in in Texas know, to be honest. Much. There's there's cork. There's there's definitely cork. Were you surprised by that? I I tell you what. And, and just this last point about my grandmother, now now that I've grown up, I realize, like, from what you just said, like, how much of a blessing it is to have that woman in my life. Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't her, it was, like, daycare, babysitter, stuff like that. Like, so when you, when you reach a point of maturity to where you can see how things work, you get a real deep appreciation for what that was and just so lucky and grateful to have her cork well last time so last time you were in texas i have a hard time when you're down here yeah finding a place to take you for food because i know you have quite the palate for, i do have a palate for, for food and i don't want to disappoint you because if you're coming do you from, really feel that pressure i do i feel the pressure <laughs> i didn't know that so i tell i told steph this we were talking about where to take you last time <laughs> and I, I told her, I said, I think Cork is the spot because Cork does these like brick oven so pizzas. Yeah. I think they're really good. And it's not your traditional, like if you go to a traditional pizza place right. anywhere, like the pizza is pretty similar where it's pretty crispy on the bottom. Yeah. It's crispy throughout your sauce, your cheese, some seasonings, some toppings, yeah. like spice it up. But Cork, I like when a pizza is imperfect. Okay. It's like, it's not perfectly circle. Right. You pick it up and it's kind of like, it almost falls apart a little bit. Okay. It's, uh, it's messy. Yeah. What I like doing is drizzling honey on that yeah, pizza. So you did, no, you did, you did do that. But, but to be fair for all the people listening, the, you did that, but you had like a meat, you had like a meat lovers, like pie. It was, you didn't yeah. just throw that on a margarita. But I would have. Okay. See that. I see what, what just happened there was I was trying to cover your ass. And you, you just completely ruin that point because well, what makes, what makes a perfect pizza in your opinion, if you were going to make a perfect pizza, okay. because I like making pizzas at home, I do love it. And, uh, you know, I can go, it's, it's one of those things I like cooking at home because I can go out to dinner and I can get a really good meal, right? But I can also spend, and it makes no sense to most people who don't like cooking, right? I can spend two hours yep. cooking this meal. I love it. That tastes nothing like the one right. I'm going to get out to dinner. Right. 
but I'm eating this thing that I created. Yes, and I agree. And and to that point too, those two hours of cooking are the most relaxing two hours. Like for me, like just like even like the smallest things, like just like chopping up like a vegetable or like throwing like the chicken on on the on the grill. Like for me, it's not even about cook like the the food I'm about to eat. It's just the process to to make the food. You zone out. Oh, zone out. Completely zone out. Um, it's like what you do when you run 35 miles on a Saturday, but what makes a perfect pizza to me is subjective, but you asked me this. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you my opinion. A lot of times these pizzerias, they do too much because what's, what I find fascinating about pizza is that it's three ingredients, bread, sauce, and cheese, right? The best pizzas I've ever had, and this is why Cork was so good because the owner, shout out Cork in in Georgetown, Texas, the owner knew what he was doing. And you're you're grilling him. I was was giving him the bit. I have never met someone that matched my pizza energy. I was grilling him. And he went to school in Italy to learn how to cook this pizza, and he was saying all the right things. So for me, a perfect pizza, the sauce, that's that's your winner. Because the sauce is the first thing that the taste buds are going to hit, right? Or, or taste. I like a sauce that you don't really you don't really mess with too much. You get the San Marzano tomatoes, okay? You, you, they say DUP on them. It means they're legit. Product of Italy. And you grind them up a little bit, right? You get out all the seeds. And it's really just like a tomato puree. Like when I bite into that pizza, Nick, I want the I want the sauce to hit my nostrils as well. You know what I mean? How do you remove the seeds? You There's it? a machine. Okay. They got a machine for that. All right. When you if or when you come no, actually when you come up because you promised me uh to do the do the sauce, you'll see. It's a whole machine. So when you bite into that pizza and the first thing you hit you get is a sauce, I like it, I like to taste the tomato. Because most of these places, what they'll do is they'll they'll take like a, a, a bunch of garlic and they'll throw the garlic in there. And, and then they'll take a bunch of olive oil and they'll throw the olive oil in there. And those two things are combating the, the magic that's going on in this pot, which is the tomato. That's your winner right there, the tomato. They, they, they think that they got to throw all this other stuff. No. Then they'll throw the, the, the garlic powder on top of the garlic itself. Then they'll do the oregano. Just keep it simple. And then I like a nice fluffy crust, kind of like Neapolitan style. Um, and and a, a hack that... For those of you listening and watching at home, if you want to elevate your pizza, okay, take it from here to here, you get what they call buffalo mozzarella. And what that is, it's a more milky mozzarella. So when you put that buffalo mozzarella, you just little little dots. You following what I'm doing? Right I'm here? following, yeah. You put these little dots of the buffalo mozzarella, and when the heat hits them, they kind of seep in into the crust, right? So now you're getting a moist bite with the pizza. But if you cook it right, the bottom's crispy, but the dough is soft on the top. That's when you get a good pizza. And then when you take it off, you take, say it with me, Parmigiano-Reggiano. Parmigiano-Reggiano. <laughs> you take the Reggiano and you throw it on the pizza. And because the pizza's hot, it kind of melts on top of the pizza. Just grated Reggiano. To me, maybe a couple basil leaves, that's a perfect pizza. I was going to ask about that, basil leaves. Yeah, I like it. I love, do you like uh, Caprice? Salads? Yeah, I do. That was pretty good. I, used, pretty to, I used to call it Caprice. <laughs> I, I go to the pizza place and say, can I get a, a mozzarella cheese pizza <laughs> and a Caprice salad, please? <laughs> I'm 
sure they loved you. So what's the, what's the, like the tradition of making all this sauce in an Italian household? It's the same. It's the same for like, like I've, I've met people who make like maple syrup. Like they live in Vermont and they make maple syrup. It's just kind of like part of our culture. Like we call it doing the tomatoes. Like it's not like, oh, we're going to make sauce. It's, oh, we're doing the tomatoes. And it's just a way to get the family around. And it's like a two-day process. No one is up at six o'clock in the morning. And we're just like cutting the tomatoes. So you cut the tomatoes first. You wash them. You throw them in a big bowl. You stir them around. Then you put them in the machine. And it's just kind of like a... I don't know. It's just always been something that we've done growing up. And I don't know. I never really, never really questioned it to be honest, but it's just, just tradition, I guess. My, uh, my, my financial advisor was visiting a few weeks ago and he's from Vermont and he brought us some maple syrup it's from good. Vermont. Oh my gosh. That's good. It is good. Did you know that it's just, you just boiled a sap? Yeah. He said he, he collected about, I think it was 120 gallons. Yeah. And then after boiling it down, it was forty a, cases or something. It was like yeah, it wasn't much. Yeah, it boils down so much. Oh yeah, but that maple syrup, that I mean, it's it's a whole process. You poke a hole through the thing, and they got the long tube that goes into the sugar house. The lines, yeah, yeah, and then they boil it. It's crazy. All right, let's do round two, quick hit. All right, if peanut butter wasn't called peanut butter, what would it be called? Well, sex is taken. So, um, or is it <laughs> I, honestly, like, you know, um, we'll keep it PG 13. Uh, if peanut butter wasn't called peanut butter, what would it be called? Um, magic, magic, magic. All right. You're a big peanut butter fan. I love peanut butter. Yes, yeah, so do I. Any nut butter. Oh, I love nut butters. Name the Olympic sport. That would be the most cringy to watch if all the athletes were Naked. Um. <laughs> Fencing. Fencing? <laughs> because they're kind of bouncing <laughs> up and down when they do the, and they back up. So like men's fencing, you know, the thing would be going like that. Yep. I think fencing would be pretty awkward. What else you got? Pretty cringy. Um, so fencing was my first um, golf uh, not golf. Um, what I say? Uh, uh, what is? Bowl? No, no. What is that? Oh, uh, that is. I know what you're you're talking about curling. Curling. Curling would be pretty funny. Um, Steph said volleyball. I the volleyball was one I thought of, like beach volleyball. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And name three foods to avoid on a first date. Uh, buffalo wings. Cause you got to eat them with your hands and me, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, you know, um, any fish, any fish. Sushi included. You know what? Cause like, what if you ever get like a sushi kiss? Like Steph ever give you like a, a kiss after that you ate sushi? I mean, it's like a salmon kiss. We, we've been married for like a year and a half. We don't right. kiss after dinner anymore. It's you should probably work on it. Well, I'll get, listen, I'll make sure you guys kiss after dinner tonight. Cause that's not good. Okay. Um, I think any fish, sushi, well, yeah, I would include sushi in that category. And then like any food that's like not, not like a questionable call if you like it or not. You know what I mean? Like if you order like, like just like eggplant or something like that, you know what I mean? That's going to raise some questions. Like just go with a very, 
confident choice. You know what I mean? Burger fries. Yeah, burger steak. fries, steak. Like, don't be doing, you know, like don't be doing the the I don't like don't ask what the specials are. Like just just get the what's going on on the menu, sort of thing. There's always a guy that asks for the special. Yeah, what is a special? But never orders. Never the orders special. it. Well, it's it's almost like it's almost like like uh like routine like it like and for me I wait for them to tell me the special you know what I mean because that's what they're supposed to do yeah like oh oh what are the specials tonight yeah run in the opposite direction and the guy who asked for the specials the second you sit down they talk about buffalo wings yeah I think it's very interesting to watch how people eat their wings oh I totally agree Steph for example. Makes me so angry the way she eats her, her chicken wings. Oh, no. She's very slow. She doesn't break any of it apart with her fingers. And she leaves half the meat on the bone. Oh, no, no, no. Mean, I actually don't eat it off the bone. I rip it off with my hand, and then I put it in my mouth. Now, that's weird. I don't— That's I, what I do. I don't think—that's that's a little weird. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought we were going to be on the same page with this. For me, I'd take them. You're talking about drumsticks or flats? Flats. Okay. I'm a flats guy. You're definitely a drumstick guy. I'm a drumstick guy. I know guy. it. I know it. Um, you take a bite of the drumstick, and you get the first flap of meat. And then what you do is you take the middle finger, and you poke the, other, the, the rest of the meat through. And then you eat that part, and then you clean up the ends. Hmm. That's the best way to eat a buffalo wing. For me, with, a the, wing in general. with the flats, if I'm eating the flats, <laughs> I... First break, I break one of the tops off so the two bones are so separate. So they could go like this. Yep. And I flip them back over and I pull all the meat off like you're just like. Oh, that's psychotic. Shedding something. Oh. And then I dip in my blue cheese and I eat it. No, no, no. no. That's psychotic. That's what I do. That's horrible. And I love chicken wings. I love chicken wings. I love wings. Okay. Yeah, that's psychotic. That's not. Well, thank you for a quick hit round two. Yeah, thanks, man. What I want to know is. <laughs> You know, here you are creating these videos on Barstool. Yeah. They're picking up some speed. You're growing this this following, this loyal following, this mm -hmm. community. At what point did creating evolve into the opportunity of what is now a business? That's a great question. Um, now I'm going to be serious with this one. So I remember, like, like I said, I always started doing this just for the pure enjoyment of it. And, you know, oftentimes when you get the opportunity to turn something you love into a business, people think it's a very easy decision. It's really not because you're doing it for a hobby and turning a hobby into a business is, you know, it doesn't matter if you feel like doing this today, you're going to do it today sort of thing. And I was afraid of, of what that was. Um, and, and a part of me was like, you know, I don't, I just love the fact that people are laughing. I don't, I don't see a need to make money while doing it. Um, and that's a very young minded, like thing to, to think. But my dad was always pushing, like my dad's a business guy. So my dad was always like, you know, like you really have something here, Nick. Like we could really, we could really do something here and you could, you could keep making these videos and you could keep making people laugh, but you could also make some money for yourself and he'd push and he'd push. And I'd just be like, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I just don't want to do it. And so I remember this was 2020. I signed up with Cameo and it was around the holiday season. And mind you, I had around $14 in my bank account. 
before this happened. You're bowling. Dude, I, I, I had no I had no idea what money was, how it worked, any of it. Um Were you in college at this point? I was in college, yep, still am. Yeah, I mean I, m- I remember uh being in college having five dollars in my it, account. It burnt, but and but but every time you got a check, it burned the hole in your pocket. Oh, I got money. I'm gonna spend this money. Oh, we're eating good tonight. Like you don't think in like, oh, I'm gonna put some of this money away. Like I, for me, at least I was like, I could buy this shirt from here. I could buy these shorts from there. Like if I, if I do, if I just need 15 more dollars, I could buy like a pair of, and you had something to do with this. Oh, I could get, I could get two things of, of, uh, milk and cookies, protein. I could get strong. Like it, it just burned a hole in my pocket. So, um, it's the month of November and I'm signed up with Cameo. And for those of you who don't know, Cameo is an app where you could pay, uh, you could pay quote unquote celebrity to make a video or, or whatever. And, and like, I thought that was the greatest thing on earth because like you can control the quality of it. And I made sure that every video I put out was the greatest Cameo on earth. No one would ever do a better job at Cameo than me. And I was getting such good reviews that I would keep getting more and more bookings and I couldn't keep up. So I would raise my price and raise my price and raise my price. I started at $6 for a cameo and my price now, and it hasn't changed in a while is $125 per cameo. And I remember after the month of November, looking at a check that hit my bank account and I was staring at my bank account and I'm just like, this is real. Like this, this is real life. I've never seen that much money in my entire life before. Like maybe my dad's onto something. And in that how, moment, how much was it? Are you, you going to say, uh, about four grand. Okay. Um, four grand on cameo. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was around four grand. And I remember in that moment, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going to come of me turning this into a business. Um, I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm making the conscious decision decision to give this everything I have and I'm all in. So whatever happens, I'm going to keep showing up every single day. And that decision was what led it to becoming a full-blown business. I started the LLC. Um, you know, the, the Nikki cash media LLC is, is the LLC that I run my business out of. And the, the decisions from that were, now all business related. And I had no idea how uncomfortable the next few months were going to be. But again, I remember I'm the type of person when I make a decision, I'm in, I'm all in, that's it. Like there's no going back. And so in those moments, like you, you have to look back and say, well, I, I committed to doing this. So I'm, I'm here. Like I, I, like I, I turned, I flipped the switch from being, a teacher to now being a student in every aspect, every single aspect, drop my ego. I don't know shit about what I'm getting into. And I'm going to try and soak up as much as I can and listen to everybody that I can. And that's a hard thing to do when your right-hand man is also your father because your dad tells you, clean up your room, do this, take out the garbage, X, Y, and Z. So in the beginning, it was a hard adjustment to be like, viewing him as my business partner. But as you become more familiar with it, I would be a lost puppy 
if it wasn't for that guy guiding me through. So although there, there was uncomfortable moments at the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing this with my best friend. Like I'm doing this with my dad. So like, is it really that bad? And like watching, you know, some of your content helps out because you think like, am I the only one feeling these? Mo-? Like I describe it, like people are like, well, what's it like? I describe running your own business as, and I'm not in the product retail. Like I'm not, I'm not in that category, but I could still describe it as being a kid that doesn't know how to swim. And then someone comes over and throws you in a pool says, figure out how to fucking survive, figure out how not to drown. And that's how it feels like it, it still feels that way sometimes, but it never, it never goes away. Yeah. Like, but sometimes I feel like I'm treading water. Like, like I feel like, okay, like at least I've been like here for a little bit now. I know what the water feels like. Like I could figure it out. But in the beginning, it is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done in my entire life. But because of that conscious decision that I made to go all in, the best decision I've ever made ever. Well, I can tell you from, from firsthand being an entrepreneur, being a business owner that has a, a growth mindset who chooses growth. Yeah. It is this consistent cycle. That is you get thrown in the water Yeah, and then you learn how to swim. Right. And once you start learning how to swim, things feel pretty good. Right. Like, Oh shit, we're swimming now. Right. But then things kind of stop. Like there's you plateau and the only way to grow and continue to improve is that you have to get out of the water and you have to jump into another body of water right. where the swimming technique is different right. to survive. Yeah. And again, you're drowning. Oh yeah. And you learn how to swim again. And then you get on, you have to choose to get out of the water to do, to choose to jump in the next Make body the next, of water. Yeah. Oh yeah. And not know how to swim again. Right. And after doing this for 10 years, I am still humbled all the time oh, yeah. of what I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? Like I wrote, I don't, did you end up reading that paper I sent you? I did, yeah. Like I, like being an entrepreneur and like as, as you begin, like I'm sure you've realized this through, throughout your life and throughout this journey with BPN. Like for me, it was, there's no other option. There was, there was never another option. I was never going to be a nine to five guy working for somebody else. And I am a big believer that being an entrepreneur also teaches you how to be a a good human being. And I say that because when you adopt the, when you drop your ego and you adopt the student mindset, everyone you meet has something to offer. Everybody. You can learn from any single person you come in contact with. Because you've trained your mind. I don't know anything. Like, I, I'm, I'm here to absorb. I'm not here to give. Like, I'm here to, to, to figure out, like, oh, do we relate on this? What can, what can we talk about? Like, how can you influence me and maybe get something, like, that I, that I do and, and to help you as well? Like, I feel like throughout the process of, of growing a business and throughout the process of, of waking up one day and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on myself for all of my successes, all of the food that's going to come on my table is going to be because of my doing and not because I'm punching in every day. The more times you get knocked to the ground, the more perspective you're given, which then makes you into that much better of a person. 
if that makes sense. And I feel like every true entrepreneur that I've come in contact with, the connection is almost instant because you're constantly trying to be better as a human being. And when you're better as a human being, everything else in your life is keeps going up. And I, I wouldn't have recognized that had I not jumped into this whole thing. And being, being an entrepreneur is problem solving. Yeah. But it's not just solving problems for yourself. It's, it's also solving problems for the people around you too. Oh, yeah. So like in my case, you know, we have 27 full-time employees now and every decision I make doesn't just impact me or the business, but it impacts 27 other people plus right. their families. Right. So you're constantly solving problems for yourself and for other people so that you can all move forward together. Yeah. What I'm curious, and I'm sure you have an answer to this, is, you know, now that you've built your business on being this funny guy. Right. Do you ever get nervous that you're pigeonholing yourself as the funny guy? And what does that pivot look like? Or how do you, how do you use that as leverage moving forward? Yeah. Um, so I definitely, I, I definitely don't, I'm not afraid to be pigeonholed because I know that it's not going to happen. And I remember watching a documentary. I don't know if it was the Mark Wahlberg documentary or the Kevin Hart documentary, both two documentaries that I watched frequently. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Mark Wahlberg. He talked about, you know, never putting yourself in a box. You don't want, you don't ever want to be put in a box. And I'm watching this thing. I'm like thinking back to like what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be put in a box either. And so there, there's so much more that I'm passionate about, so many more things that I feel that I can bring to the table that I'm not afraid to, 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 to show the world. Like I, I started the Nikki Motivations page. And while I'm at school and, and, and trying to do Nikki Cass and, and running all these, these moving parts, I haven't really given it as, as much time as it's needed, but at least I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Like I'd rather, I'd rather, and I think you've said something along the lines of this, like fail at being creative rather than be successful at what everyone else is doing. Something along those lines. And like, I don't ever fear being pigeonholed as the funny guy because I'm not afraid to show other aspects of who I am. Shit. If you think about it in a grand scheme of things, I'm sitting here talking to you who is a supplement company owner who runs 30 miles on Saturdays for fun. And I'm supposed to be this comedian with a face filter making fun of Italian dads. Now, how does that make sense? You put yourself out there. You showcase other aspects of you. Do not be afraid to be you because who you are is it's unique. So like looking at it myself, I use it as an asset and apply the strategies I've learned from being the funny guy, the content guy, and just exploring other avenues. So what? If you would have said, no, we're not interested, man. Okay. I mean, I love BPN, so I would have kept coming back like I did, but at least I tried. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't have any fear of putting myself in a box because I, I, I know that I'm passionate about other things and not afraid to showcase them, if that makes sense. Do you ever get the, the pushback of the response when you try to do something that's not funny? Yeah. And people say, 
Hey, stay in your lane, man. Stick to comedy. Yeah, yeah. I get it all the time. Um, that used to bother me, but it doesn't anymore because I'm doing, and I tell people this, and who are, people I know all the time who want to start something new. Um, at the end of the day, even if it blows up in your face, you did what 99% of people will never do. And that's try something that they were afraid of the consequences had they done it and not been received well. Like if you just go and try, you're winning already. You're doing what 99% of people are, are not comfortable enough to do. So I look at it internally. If you don't like what I'm doing, that's fine because I tried and I'm going to keep trying because this is what I love to do. So I'm not concerned about what he says or she says because at the end of the day, when, I, when my head hits the pillow, I know I tried. Like I know that I'm giving the effort. I know that I'm getting uncomfortable. And I know that because of this discomfort and because of putting myself out there, it will at some point yield the benefit. And like a lot of people, I believe, think that, and, and social media does a great job at this. They think it just happens like overnight. Like how many times did you create a video and take it down? Or how many times did you try something new and it failed? Like no one sees that because no one puts it out there. No, it's, it's a long, long process. And if you let one or two people stay in your lane, stay in your lane, that's exactly what you're going to do. If you listen to them, that's exactly what you're going to do. And staying in your lane goes like this. That lane's going to come to an end at some point. Well, it's, you know, I say doubt is only dangerous when you start doubting yourself. Absolutely. The same thing applies to putting yourself in a box where if enough people, people can put you in a box to the point where you actually believe it and put yourself in that same oh, box. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But there's also the pushback of everyone in the world can try and put you in a box. But if you actually don't put yourself in that box, yeah. you don't believe it, nothing changes for you. Absolutely nothing. You, you keep trucking along. But what happens typically is someone will either doubt you or a group of people will try to put you in this box and say, stay here. This is your lane. This is where you belong. Don't go left. Don't go right. Right. And if you say, oh, man, I think they're right. Right. And you go walk over and you open the box, you put yourself in there. You're stuck until you pull yourself out. Yeah. Or you can say, fuck you. Right. I'm not going to that box. I'm going this way. Yeah. And it's all perspective. Absolutely. It's not an actual box. Right. You're not getting put in this like. I mean, yeah, no one's shoving website, you in a box. <laughs> but it's, you can, you know, put yourself mentally in this box yes. by what people are telling you to do or where to stay. Absolutely. And there's this quote that resonates with me very, very much. And resonates with what you just said. When there is no enemy within, the enemy outside can do no harm. And when you believe in yourself, when you're comfortable with you and what you do, and you don't really care about anything external, he said, she said, that I don't think people really understand how powerful that is. When you combine that with someone who's self-aware and someone who's humble, but believes in themselves, that's a dangerous thing because you're, you're not afraid of what everyone else thinks. And that's a long journey to get there. No one's, I, I don't believe that anyone is really born like that. 
But when you can achieve that level of confidence, not cockiness, but confidence and belief in yourself, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it is a, a very well-received in terms of success, success path to take. So in terms of putting yourself out there, right? Like you put yourself out there and you, you do what you're passionate about. You do what you love. What insecurities have been exploited throughout that process? I know, you, you know, you're currently on Accutane. I'm on Accutane for a second time. Yeah. So, you know, acne flares up. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky in a sense where my, my acne when I was younger went away before using social media. Yeah. Before social media was even a thing. Yeah. But I remember in high school, my chin. Oh yeah. Blew up oh, with, yeah. with acne. And, uh, I remember my, my mom took me to this dermatologist, got me on this stuff, dried my skin out so much. Yeah. I didn't want to use moisturizer because I didn't, I didn't want to break out more from the moisturizer. Right. So I remember for a year going to school, my face was so dry yeah. that I couldn't open my mouth to oh, talk. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I get you. I feel that. How, how is, how is that putting yourself out there? Because I only, I only, I felt that from going to high oh, school yeah. and a few kids in a small town in central Pennsylvania, you're now putting yourself out there in front of hundreds of thousands of people. What's that been like? Love it. I like, I got very lucky with acne and I'm going to explain what that means. So I had horrible acne from freshman year of high school up until so, uh, freshman year of college. That was the first time I had horrible acne and I can show you, like you could pull up pictures if you want, I'll send them to you. But the first round is where I learned all I need to know about being insecure. I mean, Nick, I, I never, I didn't want to look at people because I was so concerned that they were going to look at me and think I was disgusting. I would take showers and I would feel gross. I would put, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd dry my face out because it looked less red. Like I'd take as hot of a shower as I could because I, I didn't want people to see how, how bad my acne was. I felt like I wanted to put a bag over my head. I didn't want to go out in public. And that sucked. But at the same time, it taught me so much about myself. And it turned me into this not cocky, but confident in who I was machine because I looked in the mirror and I, I basically told myself, you know what? No one's going to look at your insecurities as much as you are. No one's going to hyper-focus on what you're insecure about more than you are. No one's going to look at your pimples, Nick, and say, oh my God, look at his." No one's going to do that. And if they are, they're an asshole and you shouldn't be friends with that person because that's not who you want to surround yourself with. And I accepted that. I knew that who I had around me loved me for me. And they didn't care how many pimples I had on my face because that doesn't mean anything. What mean, what, what, what the, what's important is what's inside. As corny as that sounds, it's the damn truth. And when you accept that and, and, and absorb it, you gain this appreciation for who you are. And so I'm now looking in the mirror with a million zits on my face. And, and, and I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have a support system like I do. I'm not saying I did this on my own. I had people around me who gave me that, that confidence. I knew that I had people around me who, who loved me for me. But now I'm looking at myself in the mirror saying, it don't matter how many pimples I have on my face. No one's looking at them. Who gives a shit? I'm, I'm me. And this is what I got, right? 
And so it went away after taking Accutane for, for the first round, right? And then as I'm blowing up on social media, it's coming back like wildfire everywhere, right? And I know you're a man of faith and so am I, and I'm not going to really get into that. But I do believe that the first round of acne that I had prepared me for the second time that it happened because now I got all the ammunition. Like, I'm, let's go to war. Like, I'm ready to go. And because I, I, I had that, I was able to say, you know what? I'm going to get my face on this camera as much as possible. I'm going to run right at it. I want people to see my biggest insecurity because there's probably one or two kids who are going to watch this who have to go to high school the next day with zits on their face and are insecure that people are looking at them and maybe see my story and see me bossing at the seams, pepperoni face, looking like a cheese grater and say, well, if he's going to do that every day and a million, million people are going to see his face, I can do it. And so I use that as to, to my advantage. Like, I feel like I was put in a position, the timing of it worked so well. Why would I not share with the world my biggest insecurity and how I overcame it because what's the point of having quote unquote success in this platform if you don't share something good? And I genuinely believe that it happened for a real reason because it eliminated the insecurity that I had and hopefully gave someone who is insecure a sense of comfort. I got you, bro. I'm right here. I'm getting on this camera every day. You could do it too. And I would get DMs, yo. My face is breaking out. I don't know what to do. And I was like, I got to do something about this. And I just kept, kept rolling with it. I don't, I mean, people say some nasty shit, some real nasty shit. Nasty as in mean? Yeah, mean. Yeah. And, you know, like I would always say, I would respond to some of these comments. I don't respond anymore. But I, I remember I would always say the same sentence. Pimples are temporary. Character is not. And I take my character over your clean face every fucking day of the week. And I just kept it rolling. How'd people respond to that? It's always the same thing. I'm sure you know. When you engage in someone who's hating on you, the flip is, oh, I didn't think you would respond. Keep doing you, bro. Keep doing it. It's like, come on, man. That's like smacking someone in the face and saying sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just didn't, didn't waste my energy. But for the people who, who were struggling like, like I was, the response was, was fantastic. And that's the beauty of having a platform. That first time through Accutane, how bad is that process? It, I would wake up, do that, and my nose would bleed. Just very dry? Oh, my gosh. I mean, look at my lips. You see my lips? I've been putting prescribed medicine on these things, Aquaphor, three times a day. Everything I can do in the book to make sure that my lips aren't chapped and they're still chapped. I mean, like, your, your nose, the inside will crack, and it creates like a, like, a, uh, like a scab on the inside of your nose. So when you breathe in, the cold air makes it burn. It's like, it sucks. It absolutely, but it works. How long have you been on it the second time now? Uh, I'm going on month four. What's, what's like? Around six months. And then it should be cleared. For good. It should be cleared for good. Forever. And, yeah, forever. And you're not, you're not supposed to drink alcohol on it. Um, 
which is great for me because I don't really drink in general. And it's just like, ah, no, nah, I'm on Accutane. Oh, got it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just an easy <laughs> it's way accepted. Out. Yeah. What have been the potential downfalls, the losses that could occur when these insecurities take over? And what did you experience when some of these insecurities did take over? In life or in business? In both. You know, there were times where I didn't want to socialize with my friends or go into a public area or meet new people because I'm huge on first impressions. And in my mind, I was like, well, they're going to think I'm, I'm dirty. Like They're going to think like, I don't take care of myself. And like everybody you come in contact with has the cure for acne. Every fucking person you come, oh, don't eat dairy. Don't do this. Fix your gut. X, Y, and Z. It's different for everybody. Um, and it, it would hold me back in, in social situations. Um, the second time it didn't, second time I got acne, didn't, the insecurities didn't hold me back, as I said. Um, and the other, the other insecurity, don't, don't laugh is my height. I think I knew of that already. And, but like, this was, this was like back in like freshman, sophomore year before, like I, I would go to the gym. I think that's why a lot of short dudes do some crazy shit, like physically, because we need an edge. Like we need one. <laughs> what are you like? Five, five? I'm five, five, six, five. I'm five, five. Um, no, I'm five, six. All right. Uh, <laughs> and like when you walk into like a crowd while everyone's hitting puberty and like you're like, I'm not like everyone's are like people, some people grow up faster than others. And like, I just didn't grow at all. But, um, the, like to be surrounded by a bunch of dudes your age and you're just, you feel small, like you feel less of when you don't have this confidence. Um, it kind of fucks with you a little bit. Like you feel like, you feel like a little boy. Like you almost feel like you don't, like belong in that circle. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's why that's not, that's not the reason for, for going to the gym. But like, once you start to, to like do physical fitness and, and lift weights and stuff like that, that kind of goes away. Um, but I'm extroverted, but sometimes those insecurities like acne and my height back then prohibited me from being my full self. And that, I would say that's the, that's really the extent of it. Like I wasn't, it didn't really hit me that hard in terms of like missed opportunities. Like I was, I've always been one to seize an opportunity and I never really would consider my insecurities to prohibit me from doing that. One, uh, one thing that people like to point out about me through social media, uh -oh. send me DMs and it's not even an insecurity. Like, I just don't have time to fix it. Eventually, I will. My bottom teeth. Yeah. My bottom teeth are pretty crooked. Yeah, that one's a little fucking crooked. <laughs> so, when I was in middle school, I had braces. Uh-huh. Did you have braces? No. I was supposed to get them. So, I had braces, and after your braces are done, your teeth are straight, they say, wear these retainers for the rest of your life. Are you kidding me? Right. Two months in, my dog chews up my retainers. Never went and got them again. So my bottom teeth over the years have just gotten more crooked and more crooked and more crooked. 
So I'll get DMs, people pointing them out like, hey, your teeth are crooked. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I see them. Oh, that, oh you, bro, you're breaking out. <laughs> oh, am, are these what these fucking things are? Are, are, that, are? Is that what it is? These are pimples? I didn't know that. <laughs> Thanks. Let me give you my check at the end of the month. But at, when I was younger, like that would have bothered me. Like someone pointing out my teeth and I'd want to find a yeah. solution. But now it's, I just don't care. I don't care anymore. I, I don't, like, I'm sorry. I don't like, this is me, man. Like I don't. And I feel like that started to happen when I saw what being yourself can really do for you. As you get older and as you become comfortable with yourself, the, the outside, I just don't care. Like, oh, I got pimples. That okay, great. You know, I love what I do. I wake up every day and I love living. How old are you? Twenty one. You're young. Yeah, I'm old, baby. So, I, I've recently heard uh, a few people talk about this concept. Matthew McConaughey talks about it. Um, he says, "Involve more, impress less." And then one of my favorite um, authors, Donald Miller, I follow him on social media and he posted this thing the other day. He said, he doesn't want to be impressive. He doesn't want people to say, Donald Miller, you are impressive. You're an impressive man. He wants to be known. Yeah. And at the end of his time, he wants to be known for the connections he made, the impact he's left the people he brought together, his involvement. What do you, as a 21-year-old right now, Yeah. and this will change probably throughout the course of your life. Absolutely. But at this point, 21 years old, what do you want to be known for? So for your, to your first point, I totally agree. Like I almost become uncomfortable when I get fed compliments. Like I don't know how to respond to them um, because I don't, that's not why I do what I do. I want to be known for, like, of course, you know, any interaction. Oh, I, oh, you, I met him one time. He's hysterical. He's this, but you know what? He is a stand-up, good quality guy. He's a great guy. Like, I want every interaction ever that I've ever had, the bad ones and the good ones, to be as positive as possible. So I could, my reputation is so good that when something quote unquote negative comes out or someone says something negative about me, people are met with disbelief. And I really genuinely mean that. I want people to remember me as he's just a great guy. Like take away the last, take away X, Y, and Z. He's just a great guy. and. That's honest. That's, that's it. And, and with that, I want to be able to, with the people closest around me to be, to say, you know, Nick had an impact. Like I, I, I wouldn't have tried something new if, if I didn't see through action, what Nick was doing. That's also really inspiring to me and something that I continue, that I want to continue to do. Like, I just want to, because what, what that does is it creates 
longevity like when you're gone. Like you're still alive. Mm-hmm. People remember. Oh, he was just a great guy. Like that's it. That, like it doesn't get much simpler than that. And of course, it'll probably change like when I'm married and have kids and like I want my kids. Oh, I got a great dad. But like I just want to be known. And I, I'm talking batting a thousand. Everyone. Great guy. That's it. I've been saying for the past couple of years, because as BPN started growing, started thinking as I was looking out in the market, what people were doing in the space, specifically the fitness space. And one thing I always tell, tell Preston and the people in the business from the beginning is when people talk about BPN and me included in that, I want them to say, those guys, they just do things different. Yeah. That being showing up as your true self. Yep. Doing the hard right over the easy wrong. Absolutely. Staying in your lane, being original, not yep. just trying to copy or replicate or recreate what everyone else is doing. It's just those guys, man, they just do, th- they do something different. Yeah. And that's my goal. And, you know, when I hear that, that's like music to my ears. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, mission accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge believer in being the energy that you wish to attract. And like, I don't think it's a mistake that I'm sitting here at this table with somebody who just said something like that. You know what I mean? Because it just makes sense. Like, I I believe in the same things and that's what I put out there. Like, I run. I run from trends. I run from them. Like As you should. Yeah. Oh, oh, I run. It's the easy way out. Like, I don't want it to be easy. I've never, nothing's ever been worth it in my life that's ever been easy. When I go to create, the first thought in my head is how can I do what no one else has done yet? I've done one trend in my entire life. And that was the video I did with my grandmother of things in my Italian household. And that was merely because I wanted to make her smile because she was having a rough day. But other than that, dude, I sprint in the opposite direction because how are you going to differentiate yourself from what everyone else is doing? Like, how are you going to stand out? Why are people going to follow you? And, it, and it's in the fitness industry all the time. Everyone's doing the same exact thing. How can you be different? And, and kudos to you guys. Because in the most saturated industry in the world, you guys are just in a, in a blue ocean. And a friggin' blue, like no one is doing that sort of stuff. You know, like I just, I totally agree. That's one of the things I think about, you know, raising this daughter yeah. who eventually will be using social media. Whoever knows what social media will be like in 10, 12 years. But if you look at the way social media has evolved, yeah. where it's at right now is it's been used to create these robots. These robots are, are people oh, yeah. where these viral trends go out and everyone replicates and reproduces it. Yep. And one, there's no originality. Two, it doesn't force you to like actually use your brain and, you don't think think for yourself. and create. Like going back to the beginning of this conversation, when me and my friends would sit in my parents' basement yeah. with our video camera thinking, what should we film today? Yeah. And it was the most random 
shit ever. Yeah. Like random. Yeah. But we had so much fun doing it. Or, you know, that's when Halo was really popular when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd link all these TVs in the basement because there was no live then. Right. Like it was. You'd tell your friends to bring their monitors over and shit like that. Yeah. And you'd go get this long cord. Yep. And you link TVs together. Yep. With the three, with the three colored dials and shit. Yep. You figure that out. But it's like you you had to become, you had to learn, you had to create. Yes. Yes. And that's why, you know, you pull up. I tried the whole TikTok thing. I tried and. I, I, I don't think it's for a guy like you. I, every time I pulled it up, I got frustrated because yeah. it's like the same people doing the same dance. I was like, no, I'll stick, I'll stick to what right. we've been doing. But, you know, we did, we did a podcast a few weeks ago with A-Rod and Jordan, mm-hmm. our brand director, yep. media director, talking about the lack of originality. And it's disgusting. Yeah. And it, it, and it just goes back to what I was saying before and shout out to the only professor I've ever enjoyed going to in my time at, at college. And he says, being you is your biggest asset besides time. And we are all designed to be unique and original. So be unique and original. And Literally, and and I've always been one to sprint in the opposite direction of what everyone else is doing. But to be proud, like be proud that you're doing different. Like social media is great, but social media can also, like you said, tell you what to think and what things should be like. They don't, they don't let it. Sometimes it prohibits you from questioning what it is you're seeing. And it prohibits creativity. Like it, it suppresses creativity and without even realizing it, like people are like, I'm going to start this and I'm going to do this video because that person did it. And I'm going to keep climbing and, and, and it's just going to work because it's worked before. Like, no, that road is done. Someone paved that, that path. Now you got to figure out how to light your own path. You need to figure that shit out. And that's normally, in from what I've seen, the the successful route is to to be original. But I, the originality is slowly starting to decline. And I I believe you're right. It's because of the amount of saturated content on social media of everyone trying to do what everyone else is doing. We're at a point where you got to pave your own road. Stop riding. Oh yeah. Stop driving on roads that have already been paved. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up with, with two questions from the quick hit round. Question one. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? This answer is going to surprise people. I think, it, I think it'd be a drama movie. I think Mark Wahlberg would play me. I was going to say Leo. Leo. You think Leo? I thought that's where you were going with My that. My girlfriend tells me, like, I get Leo, I got Leo vibes. I get, I get the vibes a little bit. Yeah. I think it'd be, uh, well, it'd be like a dramatic comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I got the comedic side, but I also, you know, I enjoy the process. Like, I love, I love figuring shit out. Yeah. I think it'd be a dramatic comedy. Okay. 
Name three questions you dread being asked at family gatherings. Where's your girlfriend? Um, because, like, not, not like, not like, do you have one? Like, if my girlfriend doesn't come with me to, like, on Easter, she's not going to come with me because she's going to be an hour and a half down the shore. And, like, where's your girlfriend? Oh, she's, she's with her fan. Like, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't know. Um, two, um, how school, I like school. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and three now, nowadays. Oh, oh, can I get a picture with you? Can I get a picture with you? Like, like, ta- like, like egging me on. Yo, is that what, like, come on, like, stop, please. Oh, did you get those for free? Oh, is this a paid post? Oh, is this like that sort of shit? Steph was going over these questions with me. She generated these questions. Did she? She found them online, I think. But uh, she asked me that question. Name three questions you would you dread being asked at family gatherings. And one of my responses, I used to get this all the time at family gatherings. Hey, are you are you Preston Bears brother? Because yeah. Preston, Preston was a really big sports player in high school. Oh. Oh yeah, that would that would be bad. His his photo and name was all over the paper. There was a local restaurant that made a burger named after Preston. What? So people would walk him like, "You're Preston Bears, brother." Really? Yeah, he was a stud athlete. Really? I did not. I did not. I knew he played baseball, but I didn't know. Wow, he's a stud. Football for him. Football and baseball. Holy smokes! They named the burger after him. Yeah, they did, and it was delicious. Absolutely, <laughs> it was like this mountain of a mess. What? So Nikki and I are about to hit a training session and then I can't wait to cook the steak for you, man. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I, I, I'm excited. I love, I love the Wagyu. I love the Wagyu. Before we close out, I'm going to end this. I just got to, I got to say this. So when I was a freshman in college, I, well, I, I knew what BPN was in high school, but when I was a freshman in college, I really be like, got a liking to, to what you guys were doing and what you were doing specifically. And I always said to myself, there will be a point in my life where me and Nick are going to cross paths. I knew it was going to happen. And I told myself when it does happen, I'm going to take that opportunity and I'm going to run with it. And, and I'm going to seize every ounce of that opportunity. And I literally, I'm sitting here across from you because of what you've put out into, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan originally who has absorbed what you've said, going more, embrace the suck, consistently good over occasionally great. And I'm across from you because of that and the doings of my father. And I just, for what it's worth, would like to say thank you. And I appreciate what you've put out. And I, I, I genuinely hope that someday, not to get all sappy on you, but someday somebody, and I've told this to you millions of times, somebody looks up to me the way I look up to you. So I appreciate it. And thank you. That's all. I appreciate it. No, I had to say it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like I've been creating content for consistently eight years now. Since 2014. Yeah. And spent thousands 
of hours yeah. creating and thinking. And while some people are thinking about how to make something viral right. or just reach people, right? I've always gone into it with how do I guide people through a process? How do I help people reach a certain goal in their life? How do I impact people? And while it's never been this huge spike in growth for me, it's been this consistent impact right. that has been super rewarding to receive on the other side. Yeah. So when I see someone actually take the knowledge that I put out there, because the stuff that I put out there, I, I know that if you take it and you implement it, it will impact your life. Oh yeah. It will work. So when I actually see someone absorb it fully and implement it, and even if they don't see results in five, 10, 15, 30, 45, 60 days, they don't get that job promotion. They don't build right. that business. They don't reach their fitness goal. They stick with it for months and months and months. And they finally realize, oh, this is the key. Yeah. Just fucking work and keep working. Right. And you will see a result. And you're the result of that. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. No, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Nikki Cassano. Thanks, brother. Thank you. I'm a, uh, now what I'm about to do is we're going to go into the gym. Where are we working out here at home? We're working out here. Right, I'm going to bench more than this 190-pound stick that's sitting across from me that I could say. Like I said, respect first, then the disrespect. You know what I mean? I'm about to disrespect you on this bench. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to if you enjoyed it. It helps us to grow and reach more people with the intent of changing lives through the Go One More mindset. If you are ready to take your health and performance to the next level, head over to bpnsubs.com to take the first step.